So as you can see, the title of today's sermon is, Which Way Are You Going? Which Way Are You Going? If you'd be so kind, you can turn in your Bibles to Jonah, and or if you don't have a Bible or electronic device, you can look at it up on the screen there. So Jonah, this book was written about 862 years B.C., and there are many R words in this sermon, such as refusal, rebellion, a reveal, a remedy, repentance, regeneration, or regurgitation. <laughs> yeah, that's puking, throwing up. <laughs> a recommission, a recitation, repentance, redemption, rejoicing, and sadly, the last R word is remorse. Remorse. So let's look in our Bibles. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to, up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now in the olden days, God spoke to us or to our fathers through the prophets. And these are people who were God's conduit. God spoke to us through them and we spoke to God through the prophets. If you look in your Bible in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, he'll put it up there so you don't have to flip too much. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by prophets, hath in the last days, we're talking about today, hath spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, whom also he made the world. And he speaks through us. If you look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is the Great Commission. God sent Jonah to Nineveh, he sends us out into the world to every nation. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Which way? Are you going, folks? Which way are you going? But see, Jonah was a man like us who struggled with his flesh. The Bible says the spirit and the flesh are at enmity one against each other. There's always this battle going on between our spirit and our flesh. So why was Jonah not willing to go to Nineveh? Well, now I'm going to be your history teacher for a moment. If you remember your biblical history, the first ones to conquer the Israelites were the Assyrians. Next were the Babylonians. That's when Daniel was captive and the writing came on the wall, on the wall, meeny, meeny, tekel, you farsen. After that were the Medes and the Persians. And after the Medes and the Persians were the Greeks and ultimately the Romans. But of all of the conquerors in the world at the time, the most vicious, cruel people were the Assyrians. And Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. So now you understand why this man doesn't want to go. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from two of the Assyrian kings, King Ashurnaraspal. Listen to what he says. He's bragging about his conquest. 
I built a pillar over against his gate and I flayed all the chief men. That means he cut their skin off. And I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I impaled upon a pillar or on stakes. Others I bound to the stakes round the pillar. I cut the limbs off the officers who had rebelled. Many captives I burned with fire. Some I cut off their noses, their ears, and their fingers. And of many of them I put out their eyes. This is the kind of cruelness that was going on in these people. King Sennacherib, I cut their throats like lambs. I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. Like the many waters of a storm, I made their gullets and their entrails run down upon the wide earth. You understand why now Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? These people were vicious and cruel, and we all have Ninevites in our lives. So the question is, who in their flesh would want to see their enemies receive mercy and forgiveness from God? And the answer is no one. No one in their flesh wants to see the enemy receiving grace and mercy from God. Every one of us who has been offended wants our pound of flesh. You want to see people get their just desserts, right? But look what Jesus tells us in Matthew 5:43, Because we live by the Spirit, not in the flesh. He tells us to love our enemies and bless those that curse us. Bless those that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you. That is a difficult thing to do. And that is why God has given us his Holy Spirit. As we mentioned in Sunday school this morning, the paraclete. It's one who comes along and helps. Big difference between the parakeet and the paraclete, okay? (laughs) But it's not going to happen. You're not going to forgive those who mistreat you unless... You engage the help, the help of the Holy Spirit. So Jonah is in a state of rebellion. God told him to go to Nineveh, and the Bible tells us, but Jonah went somewhere else. He's rebellious. He's refusing to go, and he's rebellious. And in his rebellion, he goes somewhere where God has not sent him to go. Which way are you going? Are you going the way God has asked you to go or commanded you to go? Or are you going in a different direction? So Jonah gets in that boat to flee from the presence of God. But he never gets to Tarshish, and you'll see at the end of the the record. You can't hide from God. There is no place to run and hide from God, friends. He is everywhere. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell... Behold, thou art there. And often in the Bible, when you see the word behold, it means something spectacular and significant is happening. And look what he's saying. I can't go to heaven. I can't go into hell. There's nowhere I can go to get away from you. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. That's incredible. You can't hide. Even the darkness can't hide you from God. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike unto you. Friends, you cannot run and hide from God. There is no place you can go where God can't find you. So let's keep going. This is the remedy part. We got the refusal, the rebellion. Now comes the remedy or the first part of the remedy. 
But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. I know many of you watch these cop shows on TV and do you notice when the cops arrest a bad guy and they put him in the interrogation room, they go to sleep. They pull their, their arms up into their shirt and they go to sleep, right? We in law enforcement call that the guilty sleep, all right? You know they're guilty, and here's Jonah doing the guilty sleep. <clears throat> so God sends a storm, and I, I want to say this. God never imposes his will on us, but he sure makes us think about it, doesn't he? And you're going to see through this record. So this is an unusual storm, and the mariners, these are men who live on the sea, are frightened because this is unusual, this type of storm. And look what happens. Then the mariners were afraid, and they unloaded everything, but Jonah was down sleeping, verse 6. So the shipmaster, the captain of ship, comes down and says unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise. Arise from your sleep. Call upon your God, if so, that God would think upon us that we perish not. So God is now sending down the captain of the ship, to tell Jonah, wake up and pray. Today, God is saying to you and I, O sleeper, awaken. People are dying without hearing the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is calling on us to do that. O sleeper, awaken. People are dying. Let me give you some statistics from the CDC in the year 2022. This is worldwide deaths. Every day... There are 166,324 deaths. And break it down by the hour. Every hour, 6,300, or I'm sorry, 6,930 people die. Per minute, 116 people die every minute. So by the time I'm done, if I'm up here for 30 minutes, it will be 3,480 people who die. Do you see the urgency here, friends? Deaths per second, they got 1.93. Now, I don't know what 93% of a person looks like. So we'll just round that off to two people die every second. But this should definitely wake us up from our slumber to recognize the gravity of the situation. People dying without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me give you some good news. I'm going to give you the birth rates. Births per day, 367,594 people are born into this world every day. Every hour, that means 15,316 people are born. That's great. Per minute, 255. In the 30 minutes that I'm going to be speaking to you, that will be 7,650 people are born into this world. That's 4.25 a second. I don't know what a 25% looks like, but 4.25 people will be born every second. All those being born and dying while they are here, they are potential souls for God's kingdom. Which way are you going? Let's look now for the reveal. So they tell him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thy occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and what are the, what, of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew. 
I bet their ears perked up on that one because everybody knew about the children of Israel, the Hebrews, coming out of Egypt, God destroying the armies in the, uh, in the Red Sea. And a quick little note on that is a kid in college and his professor's given him a hard time saying that it wasn't the Red Sea that the children of Israel went through. It was the Reed Sea, which is only six inches deep. And the student thinks for a minute and he goes, you know, professor, that makes it an even greater miracle than I thought it was. And the professor says, how is that? He says, well, God drowned the Egyptian army in only six inches of water. That's great. (laughs) So don't be afraid to believe what your Bible teaches you. Amen? All right. So Jonah's saying who he is. And he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid. And they said unto him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He's telling them what's going on. Then they said unto him, What shall we do unto you that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was wrought and temptuous. Friends, when you sin, you do not sin in a vacuum. When you sin, it affects every facet of your life. It affects your family, your social circles, your place of employment. You do not sin alone. It affects you and the people around you and your family. And he says unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm for you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Jonah's sin has put them in peril. When we sin and we fail to do what God has commanded us to do, we put the lives of people in peril because they have not heard the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ when we were commissioned to go and tell them. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the, the boat to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and was temptuous against them. This is an illustration that you cannot save yourself. You're not going to save yourself in your own power. You're not. Salvation is of the Lord. The Bible tells us there is... No other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. We cannot save ourselves. Those out in the world who are lost in the darkness of the world cannot save themselves. They must hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which way are you going? Which way are you going? Let's keep going. So they took Jonah up and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased. From its raging. That is incredible. Imagine you're in a storm and the ship is being bounced around, and this guy says, It's my fault, throw me in. They don't really want to throw him in because even these people don't want to take an innocent life. But I guess that ship is rocking so bad, they go, You know what? Throw him in, and you got bloop, in he goes. (laughs) And then the sea is instantly calm. That has got to scare these guys to death. And I couldn't help but think of Jesus because he talks about himself and the prophet Jonah. Remember they say, tell us something. And he says, oh, the only sign I'm going to give you is like the prophet Jonah was in the wells, the fish's belly for three days and three nights. Remember that? And also remember when they were in a storm, they woke up Jesus, not a guilty sleep, a peaceful sleep. They wake him up and don't you care? We're going to perish. And he's like, chill out. I got this. <laughs> Peace be still. And the sea is calm. What a mighty God we serve, friends. And what a mighty God we serve. So let's keep going. 
So they took up Jonah, cast him into the sea. Verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Even in our disobedience, God can use that for his glory. These guys are now wanting to worship his God because they prayed to their God, remember, and nothing happened. They do what this prophet tells them to do, and the sea is automatically and instantly calmed. So now they are believing in his God. Now the rest of the remedy. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and, had, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now let's look at um, his repentance says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heard my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about, and all thy billows and the waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, Yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Always keep your eyes on Christ, friends, no matter what is going on in your life. I always say, don't look at your crisis. Look at your Christ in that crisis. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet... Hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God? When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Believing in anything else, you are forsaking the mercy that God has for you. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and let's hold off on the regurgitation. Let's just look at this. Three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. It is such a metaphor for the stench of sin and death. Just imagine, he's floating around in there with the hydrochloric acid in this whale's belly, decomposing, digesting fish. It's itching away at his body, starting to try to digest him, and that's death. It's constantly reaching out to destroy. Satan constantly comes to seek what he can uh, destroy and damage. But there is no place you can go that you are beyond the redemptive reach of Almighty God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? No matter how far you have strayed in the wrong direction... You can always cry out to God to be brought back into repentance and his redemptive embrace. Amen? Amen. So think about that. Look where he had gone before God had it finally dawned on him that I'm going the wrong way. I should be going where God wants me to go. Which way are you going? Are you going where God has called you to go or are you going in another direction? Now comes regurgitation. Verse 17. Now the Lord had, I'm sorry, um, chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. That's our regurgitation. Not a lot of R's. So he's been regurgitated, (laughs) puked up on the shore. And I couldn't find it, but I read a long time ago 
Somewhere in Mesopotamia, they had a story of a man who was found walking on the beach with blotched skin as though he had been eaten by a, a fish and it was digesting him. Couldn't find it, but it was just came to, to my remembrance. And like I said, every time I put a birthday candle on my cake, I seem to forget more and more. But that's how it is. So he's, he's regurgitated. Now comes a recommissioning. A recommissioning. Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. He's been recommissioned, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He's telling him to go recite what he's telling them to these people. Because God knows the end from the beginning. God knows that when Jonah speaks to these people, they are going to repent. God knows when you speak to the person he has asked you to speak to, what they are going to do. He knows whether they are going to reject you, reject his word, or receive it. But that's not your, your responsibility. Your responsibility is to preach the word that God has given you to whom he has sent you to. And no one can do it better than you. Let me just give you an aside here. You have 37 trillion cells in your body. God knows each and every one of those cells intimately because he made them and he wove you together in your mother's womb like he tells Jeremiah. I knew you before you were even woven in your mom's womb. God knows each and every one of us down to the intricate details of our fingerprints. And who knows better what task is specifically assigned for you than God who has made you. No one can do what God has called you to do better than you. Which way are you going? Let's continue. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4 through 7, look what Jesus says. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and neighbors. And he says unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. This is why God is sending Jonah to Nineveh. These people are lost. They need the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, and Jonah is the best one to do it. No one could do it better than him. God knew what was going to happen in Nineveh if Jonah, or I should say when Jonah, did what God had commissioned him to do, that his word would be preached. So let's see what happens. <clears throat> so Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. This is uh, chapter 3, verse 4 a day's journey, and he cried and said, yet in 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. A day's journey means Nineveh was, to walk through Nineveh would take you three days. He's gone in one-third of the way, and now he begins to recite what God has told him to. So the people of Nineveh believed God. It's just amazing. These evil, wicked people are hearing the gospel spoken from this man, and I'm sure he included in his testimony that he had just spent <laughs> three days and three nights in a smelly fish. And, you know, he's probably like, if you don't believe me, just take a whiff. You know, look at me. 
I'm stinky and I'm smelly, but I'm sure he had washed up. But the, the point is, I'm sure his testimony is powerful. And no one can debunk your testimony. When you tell someone how God has changed your life, who can debunk that? No one. You know what God has done in your life. And he's done that for you, for you to go out and share the gospel with other people. Because no one can do the job that God has called you to do than you. Which way are you going? So he proclaimed, so he, verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. Do you know what sackcloth is? You know when you go to the, the farm you know, markets and stuff and you see the corn in the burlap bag? That's what sackcloth is. And you see potatoes in it. So just imagine taking off all your clothes, foundation garments and all, you are naked, and putting that stuff on your body. How uncomfortable and irritable that would make you. But this is how serious they are about their repentance. They are seriously repenting when they heard the good news of the gospel and how evil they had become. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from on him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This is incredible. These are the most vicious, evil people around. And look what has happened when the word of God has come to them. No one is beyond the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care what someone has done. If they come, or you come to them and they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it can change their life. There is nothing in someone's life, addiction, abuse, that the power and the blood of Jesus Christ cannot break that bondage and set them free. Which way are you going? And he calls it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything, and let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, Yea, let them, let, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that's in their hands. This king is serious about these people turning from their evil and coming to God. We have got to be serious about the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and going where he sends us. Which way are you going? Who can tell if, they, if God will, will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and we perish not? I just want you to know that there could have been a better word than repent because we associate repent from turning from our wicked ways to, a, to 180 degrees away. This means God had compassion on them and mercy on them. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Boy, that's wonderful. Wonderful. <clears throat> Let's keep going. But it displeased Jonah. Jonah's still struggling with this thing, forgiveness. He's still struggling with unforgiveness, just like we do. And this is a prophet of God who heard God speak to him. He was the conduit through which God spoke to the people and how the people spoke to God. And he too, like us, is struggling with his flesh. That's what I love about God's word. It speaks of the good and the bad in people. No one is perfect. You know Moses committed a murder. You know David committed adultery. And it just goes on and on that this is real. These are real people just like you and I. 
Don't worry about your shortcomings. If God has called you to do something, he will equip you to do it and accomplish that which he wants. Look what his word says in Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. This is God speaking. It shall not return to me void. It, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. This is evidence right here. God has put his words in this man's mouth to go speak to these evil people that have mistreated his people. And look at the result of this. There is redemption and rejoicing. Like we said earlier, heaven rejoices when one lost soul comes. But God is going to mention in the end here how many people were in the city of Nineveh. So it says, um, verse 2, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thou of the evil you were going to do. Jonah has forgotten, just like we do, that we were out there in the darkness in need of God's mercy and grace and redemptive power. Everybody needs to hear the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody does, friends. That's why God has sent you where he sent you. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I pray thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is a prophet. Then said the Lord, Dost thou do well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city and there he made him a booth that's a little shack and he sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. I could see him sitting there all with his attitude, or I call it a tootie, with his lip all poked out, upset at what God is doing because God is moving in that city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and he made it come up over Jonah that it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad for the gourd. This is the Middle East. It is hot. Probably about 120, 130 degrees there. And he's sitting out there on the side of a sandy hill looking at the city. Built his little rickety shack. And now God sends this gourd, this big plant to come up and shade him. God is merciful, I'll tell you. He is merciful. But God also prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished to himself to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, dost thou do well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Is this guy stubborn or what? (laughs) Talk about rebellious. Woo. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much cattle. That's 60,000 people. And God is telling him, I care about people. You're concerned about a gourd, a vegetable, and I have 60,000 people whose lives need to hear the gospel. That's why I'm sending you, and you're concerned about a gourd. What's stopping you, friends? 
from going where God has sent you? Which way are you going? Let me give you a little little energy, a little uh, persuasion why you should go out and tell people what God has told you and go where he's told you. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 8 and 9, listen to what God says. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from that wicked way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. If you don't go and tell these people what God has told you to tell them where he has sent you to go, their blood is on your hand. But the good news is, nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his ways, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. His blood is not on your hands. So which way are you going? Which way are you going? Then we end here with remorse. In 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come into repentance. Jonah, like many of us, like I said, is having trouble with forgiveness. But unforgiveness, friends, is the only prison cell where the prisoner has the key to set themselves free. Amen? That's the only prison cell where you can set yourself free. God's Word tells us in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive also you. But if you forgive not men their trespass or their sins against you, neither will your Father forgive you. You know, we say the Lord's Prayer and we end it, Amen. We should always include this part in it or when you go home, remember this part. God is saying to you, if you are not willing to forgive other people their sin, He's not going to forgive you yours. So friends, it's easy to forget that we too were once living in the darkness of this world and God was merciful to us and sent someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ and brought us out of the darkness into His marvelous light. Which way are you going? God is counting on you. What must God do to you to spark fire under you to get you to go where He wants you to go? God told Jeremiah that he knew him before he formed him in his mother's womb. And like I said, God knows you intimately. No one will do the job that God has called you to do than you because it is specific to you. Which way are you going? Look, it may be for you to be a Sunday school teacher. That may be where your Ninevites are. Your Ninevites might be in your family. They may be in a jail ministry. They may be at work. They may be in your family. In your social circles, it may be in a hospital, the grocery store, someone waiting in line behind you in a grocery store. Wherever it is, go where God sends you. Don't be afraid to to go where God sends you because he says, I will be with you. What we should be afraid of is to go somewhere God has told us not to go. That's what we should be afraid of, not going where God has sent us to go. Remember this. Romans 10, 13 through 15, and then verse 17. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It's not just me and Pastor Brad. That's you to go out and recite what God has told you. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Great Commission has already sent us. 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. God bless you.